I mean, I, I'm not going to shit talk Ollie Watkins because I I bought him a pint in New, Newton Abbott Weatherspoons <laughs> in 2016. So he's a long he's a long lost friend. He is. He's he's gone <laughs> on to play for England, and I've gone on to create a podcast praising him. There was a bit more of him back then. But what's the nicest way I can say this? He was a, a tubby little kid. Welcome to the Lockdown Inn, the home of the Regulars podcast. Join Elliot Richardson, Jed Pemberfee, Charlie Hopper and myself, George Sanderson, every week as we talk about current affairs, sports news and a fair amount of complete nonsense. Each episode, we invite a special guest into the Lockdown Inn as we try to recreate a night down the pub from the safety of our own homes. Want to keep up to date with our latest content? make sure you drop us a cheeky follow on Instagram and Twitter at RegularsPodUK. So hello and welcome back to the Lockdown in and to the Regulars podcast. We must be doing something right if we're returning for another episode. I'm Charlie and I've taken the role as barman this evening. Uh, and as always, we're joined by the regulars. Firstly, I'll start with Jed Pemberthy. Jed, how are you doing this evening? Hello, I'm happy that I'm not hosting this week. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you are. What can I uh, serve you up this evening? I'm going quite fancy this evening. Uh, I am taking a back seat and I have gone for a Grey Goose vodka. Oh. Very expensive vodka. <laughs> and Tropicana pineapple juice. You know, I've heard that's really nice, that. I've heard, I've heard that's really nice. It's the first time I've ever had it. Loving I'm it? Biffingly pleased with it, gentlemen. Delightful. I bet you are. I'm also joined by Elliot Richardson. Elliot, how are you uh, How are you doing after United have just been beaten in the FA Cup? I mean, that's just the worst way you could have possibly started me off. Um, <laughs> I was perfectly dandy until we started, um, until the game started. I wasn't even really watching it, really. Depressed now, but yeah. I could be happier, definitely a lot happier. And no, and what what beverage is tickling you this evening? Well, any listeners out there will know that recently I've been going for very, um, what was I say, not manly drinks. I've been having VKs and I've been having um, JDs and cokes and rum and cokes. So I thought today I'd go for a nice little pint of Stella. <laughs> you know how it is. Very yeah. easy. It's nice. very nice. Yes. Very nice. And uh, and finally, we have the resident designated driver and Buxton mascot it's George Sanderson George how are we uh, how are we doing uh I'm not too bad considering we also lost in the FA Cup today I'm, I'm pretty happy to be honest we played I'd rather well. be you mate I'd rather be you I, I don't think you would I don't think you would at least you but... at least you played well uh, true, true and uh, and George are you, are you drinking anything this evening that isn't Buxton water uh, I have, well, people listening to this obviously won't see, but I have this unlabeled bottle of water, which may or may not ah. be Buxton without the label on. <laughs> uh, you decide, but yeah, we're back on water. We're back on water. Wonderful. Well, we have a we have a fun-filled episode for you today with the jukebox of dreams coming up and our end of show quiz. But before we get on to them, I'd like to welcome today's guest. And from the world of bat and ball, we have former first-class cricketer Paul Hutchinson joining us in the lockdown. In Paul, it's been a while, but how are things uh, at your end? Yeah, very good. Thanks, and thanks for the uh, for the invite. Uh, glad to be here. Uh, it's, it's 
been all good. He's been a bit quiet. It's been a, a tough year for everyone, but uh, the sun's been shining today, so he said it's just been nice to be out and about. Yeah, definitely. Well, me and Paul have crossed paths before today. Um, he used to be the expert bowling coach at my college, so I'm hoping that he keeps any stories of me to himself during the duration of the podcast um, but for any listeners out there um, Paul has played first class cricket for Yorkshire County Cricket Club um, as well as for playing for the MCC as well as helping the West Indies out. Um, Paul how would you sort of sum up your your career in general? Um, well I suppose it's, it's two phases um, as a player um, I played like you said I played with Yorkshire I played with Sussex and then finished with Middlesex. Uh, I was involved with the, the England setup for a while. Um, and I'd, ultimately, I'd say it was an unfulfilled career. Um, started really well, struggled with injuries and probably faded away at the end, uh, which was slightly disappointing, but I'm not the only one out there that's, that, that, that's happened to. And then the second phase is now that I'm back involved with, uh, on the coaching side of it. Um, I've been coaching for about 10 years. Uh, so you mentioned it then, I helped out the West Indies in 2017. Um, I was the bowling coach uh, cover for them. Uh, I joined Essex County Creek Club in uh, 2018 as a, as a bowling coach down there for them. And I've uh, recently taken on um, the head coach's role for Cambridge, uh, Cambridge Uni. So I'll be, uh, I'll be starting that next week. Yeah, well, I, uh, I apologise, Paul, actually, because uh, you are now a sir, I think, on, on Wikipedia, <laughs> Sir Paul Hutchinson. I don't believe everything you read on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, I mean, the, the floor is open for, for you lads to ask any questions to, to Paul. I mean, Paul, your career was, was sort of, I mean, you had a stress fracture to your back. I mean, that, that troubled you for, for, the, for the majority of your career. How hard was it to sort of mentally and physically get over an injury like that? Um, Physically, if you look at the, the physical side, if we separate them out, um, back then the the, the knowledge um, was a lot less, and if you were given a, a positive uh, result on a, a stress fracture, you basically you were written off for the season. Whereas now uh, we know you can be you can be sat down for six weeks and then back probably with another four to six weeks after that. So you can be turned around from a stress fracture in about twelve weeks now. Uh, whereas back then I had a stress fracture when I was about 18, 19 uh, in early May, and that was me written off for 12 months. Um, so that, that, that side of it has developed, but it was difficult to deal with at the time because I was just starting to progress nicely. Um, and then you're told to sit down and watch your friends play, um, and it, it messes with you um, mentally. Um, thankfully, I had a very good group of friends and teammates around me that got me through that, and I did come back fitter and stronger, and I played um, to a, a, a good standard when I returned and I, I managed to progress through into the first team uh, and get myself away on a, an England day tour and uh, that's uh, that's when I had my second stress fracture which was a little bit worse um, I had a double stress fracture at the time and um, that one really caused me a few problems that, that set me back for about six months but on returning they wanted me to look at changing my action and um, because they, they thought back then that the action was the issue uh, I think now medical uh, information would say we, you just need to be fitter and stronger. Uh, if, you, if your action's pretty good and mine was okay, uh, then as long as you're fitter and stronger, you should be fine to, to bowl through it. Whereas there were concerns about a mixed action at the time, which um, then led to a, a complete overhaul of my action, which, which uh, actually set me back quite a bit because uh, I was no longer as um, 
threatening, I think the word is, as a bowler. Um, I, I used to be a left-arm swing bowler, so I'd, I'd swing it back and hit the pads or get a bolt. And then um, the new action that I got stopped me swinging the ball. So uh, I went from being very good and a little bit injury-prone to being a little bit rubbish. <laughs> Not sure Did, do you ever feel like your injury held you back from finally getting that England cap? Uh, yes, I'd say so, yeah. I was, I was in and around the setup for quite a while. Um, I'd, I'd had good conversations with people in the setup saying I wasn't far away. And then, like I said, the injury happened um, and it, it never came. Like I said, it, I never managed to get the, the cap, which is a shame, but there's a lot of people out there that the same thing happens. What's the general feel around like a, a cricket tour, especially with the England Day? Uh, well, they were, they were long. Uh, back then, um, <laughs> but they were they were good fun. Like I said, if I go back, it was twenty years since I went, and that you'd go away for six to eight weeks. Um, so you prepare beforehand for maybe a month. So you you are you separated and uh, and and you're away for a good three months um, all in, and they were great. To be honest, like I said, I was I was an early twenty year old lad with a group of other twenty year old lads who were like minded, wanted to improve, wanted to develop who were playing um, on an international stage of it as such. Um, and you, you're just out having a great laugh <laughs> with other good players d and developing your game. So it was fantastic. It really was. It, it's changed a little bit now um, that the international schedules bounce you around shorter tours. Like so you've seen with England, they've been here, there and everywhere and, mm. uh, at the moment. And so you don't get that long period in one place uh, and get to know the place a little bit like we went to South Africa for six weeks, eight weeks. Whereas now the England boys get in, they see a hotel, they stay there for a week and then disappear and they see another hotel and then they're off to India. And it's difficult for them to, to actually make any real friendships with people when, when you're actually there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you if you emptied your pockets, Paul, I'm sure we'd be able to find Nasser Hussain in there um, after you dismissed him um, when you played for the rest of England against uh, England A. <laughs> uh, that's very true. I think what really happened was that he tried to hit me into the river and just missed me. <laughs> <laughs> <That's what it laughs> <was. laughs> um, but yeah, you, you just mentioned there about, about the injury that you, ha you, you sustained. I mean, we've seen a lot of England cricketers nowadays um, and, and this selection policy that England have put in place. Do you think that is to just minimise the chances of, of lads being out for a longer period of time through injury? Uh, I think the, the current selection issue is more around bubble life and keeping their mental state um, in, a, in a decent balance where more than um, physical injury. Uh, I think the odd player, someone like Mark Wood, does get rested and picked uh, accordingly. Uh, but the rest of them, the, the majority of the boys who have been coming in and out, I think it's uh, for mental state and, and well-being. Yeah, so you've I definitely mean, seen with Joffre Archer as well. He's he during that 2019 World Cup, he was absolutely electric, and then mm -hmm. just before the Ashes, he almost kind of like pulled up with an injury, and he wasn't quite as he wasn't quite as consistent as he was in the Ashes uh, than he was in the ODI series. So, so is it completely different bowling in an ODI than it is to a to a to a, to a white to a Red Bull game? It is. I think with the Red Bull game, you can settle in and and, and find a rhythm, whereas. I think white ball cricket is a little bit more explosive and, and, and again, more so in 2020. So he, injuries can happen. Fast bowling's not an easy job to have. And, and, and he does it to an extremely high level, um, bowling extremely quickly. Bodies will have moments where they don't like it. And like I say, he's, he's got an ongoing issue with his elbow at the moment. 
Yeah, and, and Paul, once you'd finished your um, your career, you moved quite quickly into into coaching. Was that something that you always had an eye on for after, you know, playing cricket? No, not at all. Like I say, you say it was quick. Personally, it was I finished county cricket in 2005. Um, I went into, I just played club cricket. Um, I, I set up a business uh, and I, I just played club cricket for six years. So I got to the end of 2011 and I got asked to go back to my, the, the club that I grew up at, um, a club called Pudsey St. Lawrence uh, in the Bradford League. They asked me to go back as uh, as the cricket chairman and, and basically oversee the cricket. Uh, so run the coaching side of it, but also set up the, the club how I how I saw fit. Um, and that was the start of 2012. And that, that was my first dip into the coaching side of it. And it was, it was enjoyable. It reconnected me with the changing room, which for me was a major plus point of playing. Like I said, it was never the, the Fifers that, that kept me in the game. It was more the friendships that I'd built with my teammates. So to get a taste of that again, being in the change room, even though I wasn't going on the pitch, was nice for me. I, I really enjoyed it. And then I could enjoy their success when we won and I could enjoy their success when they were doing well individually as well. So for me, it was a perfect a perfect way forward. And it's, it's something that I still appreciate now is, is being part of a, a good change room. You mentioned earlier as well, we mentioned that you were... Uh... You coached Charlie here. What was he like as a as a student to coach? As a, as any as a, wee, a wee nipper. <laughs> he was a very quiet kid, to be honest. And um, I will say, having just seen him on here for the first time in a while, there was a bit more of him back then. He's uh, he's slimmed <laughs> quite nicely. Hey. Yeah, he yeah. was uh, he was almost the nicest way I can say this. He was a, a tubby little kid. <laughs> uh, he, he pulled himself fit by the looks of it, so he's uh, he's nice to see. Yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll just remove that bit out, shall we, George? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm still on editing duties. This is no, yeah. Um, lockdown's been good, to be fair, Paul. Um, I think when you've got nothing to do, you just you get out in the sun, don't you? But um, yeah, uh, Paul had Paul was tasked with looking after quite a few of us, and I think I was probably one of the tubbiest that he had. That <laughs> he had athletes, and then there was just me. <laughs> Are you a spinner or a pacer, Charlie? Me, our pace. Um, not that I'm any good at it, but Paul Paul no, helped. I agree. I think you, you bowled quite nicely. Paul helped me. With, Paul helped me with a not a lot, but it was uh, it was good fun having him there, especially without Rouse. We didn't want to hear from him anyway. <laughs> uh, Paul, I feel like when everyone's younger, everyone either has one sport or you have fifty sports. Was it always cricket for you, or did you have a, another sport obsession? I enjoyed a lot of sports. Other sports didn't really enjoy me, so I think. If you, if you say, did I play many sports to a reasonable standard? No, I was, I was dreadful at football, but pretty dreadful at golf. I, like I say, I enjoyed them and played them, but uh, I was certainly no um, uh, yeah, all-round uh, yeah. sportsman. I was, I was very much just a cricketer. Um, like I say, I, I played badly in goal, and then I played badly as a left winger when they realised I was no good in goal. <laughs> having no pace as a, uh, as, as a winger was... Yeah. Also, <laughs> disaster. And then being a, a lower order batter transferred into my golf, I, I was dreadful off the tee box as well. So every sport that I enjoyed didn't actually didn't enjoy me back. Do you enjoy watching the other sports though, or is it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Big, big fan of uh, having a beer in hand and uh, and sitting and watching quite a lot of sports. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, we're now moving on to uh, to a bit of Euros, and this is going to be a. Uh, a bit of a tough would-you-rather question. It feels like we're back in secondary school with these would-you-rathers. 
Um, and I, I found this one this afternoon, and it's this is a question for, for all, all of you, really. Would you rather England win the Euros this summer, but your club doesn't win a trophy for 20 years, or your club enjoys successful trophy-filled decade, but England never win a tournament in your lifetime? Well, can I pitch in and say that my, my club has never won a trophy, so... I'm happy with that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say for us, lot, not, we haven't won that many trophies recently, any of our clubs, really. I mean, I can't remember the last, I can't even remember if Middlesbrough won any trophies for you, Charlie. I know Blades, unless you count League One title, we haven't won any trophies in a long time. So, nah, I think we won the Carling Cup um, quite a while ago. I think Gareth Southgate was playing for us then. Um, but I would, I would take England winning the Euros. Well, as I say, is that the excitement I got from um, watching Trippier score that free kick in that whole summer of um, England football was ten times more exciting than any game of United I've ever watched in my entire life. So That's I just feel like because it's Man United. No, but even if even if it was like if I was a City fan, I still was just enjoyed watching England ten times more than I did. Yeah, that mm. summer was just was amazing. Like watching watching all the games. I was abroad as well, so it's even better. I think it's a decent question. Um, I think I will thoroughly enjoy the Euros if we win it or not. I think you can get into it. It's almost like the Radical. You can just get into the event and enjoy the event. So personally, I would take us losing in the semi-final like we usually do. Um, <laughs> having Leeds United win everything for the next decade would be fantastic. Oh, you're not, a, you're not a Leeds United fan, are you, Paul? I've been a Leeds United fan for a very long time. But I've just been very quiet for a lot of years. <laughs> not <like> a <laughs> Uh, there's some there's a certain Leeds United fan who might or might, may or may not be listening to this episode, and he he doesn't remain quiet um, a lot of the time. I mean, how have you found being back in the Premier League after all those all those years in the Championship? It, it's nice to be back. It, it does give you more meaningful games to watch. They've been playing decent football in the Championship uh, under BL Server. Some of the games are a bit dull because anybody who's decent at finishing. Is sat on a bench in the Premier League somewhere. So some of the games in the Championship, you do watch a lot of very good build-up play and then just watch them mess it up at the end. So it's nice to actually be back watching some very good football. It's a bit of a roller coaster with Leeds at the moment. You, there's definitely going to be a three-nil um, scoreline. You just don't know if it's going to be for or against Leeds. <laughs> that whole been- nice build-up play and then ruin it at the end. That sounded way too much like Sheffield United all season this season to be honest but as much as I'm a Sheffield United fan I'm glad Leeds are back because they are that sort of big club that should be in the Premier League I'm just gutted that we're going straight back down well not straight back down but like we're going down this year and we've not been able to have fans back for Yorkshire Derby in the Premier League that's a bit of a shame so unless unless Barnsley get promoted it'll be another year without a Yorkshire Derby with fans back I guess but I feel like Leeds is just the kind of team that you love to watch as well. Like especially after the first day when at uh, the Liverpool game, you just thought, bloody hell, they've just gone toe-to-toe with the champions. And you're just thinking, every game they watch now, like you say, you don't know they're gonna score three or concede three, but it's just entertaining to watch, especially when you're not a Leeds fan. I think Sky will be thrilled because anybody who's not a Leeds fan, they now like watching Leeds. So they'll they will tune in and watch that game anyway. So mm-hmm. Sky must be laughing. How do you feel about Patrick Bamford's performances this season compared to what he was like in the Championship? Because he's been he's been absolutely scoring for fun in the Premier League. But why do you why don't you think he was that prolific back in the Championship? I have no idea. I'm sure there's 
better better people who could give you an opinion on it because I for one was calling for him to be dropped at times in the championship saying it's, it's ridiculous how many times he, he spurns a, a, an opportunity in the six yard box and then you get him in the Premier League and he's smashing him in a, from all over the place he's great I, um, I think he's no worse than what's in there at the moment so take that how you want do I think he's a a 50 cap forward for England <laughs> maybe not but is he doing as well as anyone else out there at the moment? Does he deserve a chance? Yeah, I think so. Apart from the, this season, I think probably one of Patrick Bamford's best years was when he was at Middlesbrough. Um, mm. I mean, he was he was unreal for us. You know, he, he really was. Um, I mean, Paul, as a, as a Leeds fan, uh, I guess we do see it quite a lot, as we saw today with, with Chelsea, where Thomas Tuchel changes his team to make it more defensive. Bielsa, no matter what the scoreline, he will just play the exact same way that he believes in. And I guess that's the beauty of, of supporting Leeds. You, you know what you're going to get with him. No, exactly. He, he's not going to go on the defensive. It's best form of defence is attack. And we're going to come at you. He's like an old-fashioned heavyweight boxer. He's just going to come out swinging and hope that he lands one before you land one on him. It's brilliant. I found it funny as well with... Uh... We're thinking of Bamford. The last when we were in the championship together a couple of years ago, I remember the ban the sort of back and forth him and Chris Wilder had. I think it was just after the Basham's arriving game, which of course I still love to see the commentary of that. But uh, I think it was after that game he said to United basically, let's see how they they cope under pressure, and then we sort of went and just kept winning and winning. And now it's sort of the roles have flipped this season where Basham's now banging them all in and it's probably between him and Watkins you'd probably say of who should be in the England team and then you've got us like rock bottom of the league just propping everyone up but the banter between them was really good to see but out of uh out of the players that are maybe sort of questionable for England do you think that there are more ones in Leeds that should be getting in I'd seen that there are a few of the defenders that were maybe being questioned a bit Luke Haley yeah that's it anyway. yeah yeah, I, I think when any team starts to do well and they've not played international, or, or many of the players have played international, when they start doing well as a collective, people then do start to look within that group and say, well, why are they doing well? Who, who's doing well uh, within there that could be looked at? So by association of them all doing well as a group, they, they can then get cherry-picked out themselves. So yeah, I think it's great. Like I said, I think, to be fair, there's, there's quite a few right-backs within the country that will be knocking on that door. So I think uh, Ailing's probably somewhere back in the, uh, the queue there at the moment, but he's a, he's a decent footballer. But he's a good footballer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that brings me on nicely now to uh, to, to sort of the, the selection. And at the time of recording, we are just sort of at the back end now of Gareth Southgate announcing his, his recent England squad. Um, to all of you, really, who would be in your selection for for the Euros? Is there any wild card player that you'd, that you'd take with you? Or do you think that Gareth Southgate will, will, will you know, Pick a, pick a similar to squad, squad to what he's now gone with? I think this one's a very experimental squad because you've got the Watkins. Mm. I think Calvert-Lewin's probably going to be your number two striker, but he's dropped he's dropped Tommy Abraham for Ollie Watkins. And like and like we've been saying, Patrick Bamford's also kind of knocking on the door as well. I mean, I, I'm not going to shit talk Ollie Watkins because I bought him a I bought him a pint in Newton Abbott Weatherspoons <laughs> in 2016. So he's 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 a long he's a long lost friend. He is. He's, He's gone on to play for England, and I've gone on to create a podcast praising him. Um, <laughs> I think there's players that aren't in the squad this time around that will be in the squad come the Euros. I think we've only got San Marino, Albania, and Poland. Poland's obviously the tough game. It's it's going to be 
that's going to be the competitive game. That's where you're going to see your Canes, your Sancho's, and your Sterlings. Uh, obviously, Sancho's obviously out, but you're going to play your Rashford's instead. Then um, I still think that Southgate's going to play a five at the back, and I I think it's frustrating to see as an England as an England fan where we've got so many good players, but we just can't all fit them in. Yeah. It's always the way they went into you can never fit all the best players into one team. I feel like some players who you think are gonna get picked, but you feel like they don't deserve to get picked, or well, in my opinion anyway. I know that Trent will get picked. He obviously will get picked, but this season he's been awful. I've watched most Liverpool's games, he's been absolutely awful. And compared to someone like Wan Bissaka, and I'm not bigging him up because United have been awful as well. But I know they're completely two completely different players, but I think he's played a lot better and he won't even get called up to the squad ever. Like, not even, given, not even this one now. He won't even get a chance. So, yeah. If you had the defensive attributes of wan and the attacking attributes of Trent Alexander-Arnold, you've got the best right back yeah. in the world. You'd be the, yeah, exactly. Basically. Obviously, five back, he, Trent probably does suit the, the role better. But it was to see, won't we? I'll give it. I'll give you all each one of your five pounds. Um, now each one will get a choice of who you fancy to win the Euros. Um, now England and France, they're both um, joint favourites to win at five to one. Um, but I'll leave it up to up to you four to sort of go through um, exactly who you think will come out of the Euros as the winner. Go on, Paul. Big shout. <laughs> I think it's hard to pick. I, I don't think you can ever look too far past the Germans. I think, yeah, they've got a few things going on and, and a few changes happening, but they're a well-oiled machine. I think they, they know what they're doing. So I, I'd probably look within the, within Germany, I think. With Joachim Love's last tournament as well as Germany, boss, they're all going to be playing for him as well. So. Yeah, you think so. Go on, Jed, what so, do you think? Um, I... I'm going to say Portugal because I think I, Portugal. I was going to say Portugal it's, as well. It's, it's Cristiano again, similar to Joaquin Love. It's Cristiano Ronaldo's last last European Championships. He said he's going to play in the World Cup next year. Um, I, I I can't look past Portugal because they done so well in Euro 2016. They came second. They lost to France. And then, no, they won. They won it in 2016. What am I talking about? They won it in 2016. <laughs> uh, they done. Uh, in the World Cup, I, I I think I can't even remember if they're in it. Um, yeah, of course they were. Um, but yeah, you've got Cristiano Ronaldo, you've got Bruno Fernandes, and you've got a host of other young, young Portuguese players that are in the side. And I can't really. People are ruling them out because, like you say, you've got your Frances, you've got your Spains, you've got your Germanys. But I think people forget about Portugal. My main, my main reason, and it kills me to say because I'm a United fan, but. I think City have a, a, a top, top Premier League and they have so many good Portuguese players like Cancelo. Diaz, obviously, one of the, probably the best centre-back in Premier League, maybe even in the world at the moment. And um, Bernardo Silva as well. And they also got Bruno Fernandes and Ruben Aldo's. I just think it's a very, a very very good team and i just like to see how well they do. Mm. Literally True. half of Wolves is just Portuguese players like Neves you've got and you've got... Um, yeah, Pedro Neto. Pedro Neto. He, yeah, he's, he is very good him. He is class. Yeah. Uh, for me, Portugal are definitely going to be up there. It just depends how much those young players come on, I think, before the tournament uh, starts. But for me, I've, I'm going to stick with France, I think, for me, because just 
the players oh, you're they so have basic, available. aren't you? You're so yeah. basic. I know I've gone for all the favourites. I, I would go and for the Tiger roll. Yeah, I would go with... Dean Tiger roll and he's put a tenner on him. <laughs> <laughs> I would go and like stick my nose out and go, oh, let's go with someone crazy. And, oh, yeah, Ollie McBurney's go fire Scotland to win the Euros or something. Hey, don't rule anything out. <laughs> we say yeah, this, though. We, we mocked Wales being in 2016, but they got further than us. Do you think any of the home nations are actually going to push us to push us and maybe even finish better than us i mean when ollie mcburney is one of your best strikers the sky's <laughs> the limit so <laughs> scotland are going to win the world cup let alone the euros <laughs> yeah, well, george if you if you do fancy backing an outsider you can put your five pound on north macedonia to Go win for it, mate. At, a, at a cheeky price of 500 to one who even plays for them <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of a Macedonian player, let alone a North Macedonian. Now, um, speaking of, of of England, and you know, it's gonna it's gonna be a big, a really big year for the for the country. Um, Paul, I just wanted to sort of ask a, a quick question to you about the World Cup T Twenty that's coming up for for England. Um, we've just seen them at the time of recording; they've just been uh, beaten by India in the T Twenty series. Does that is that sort of a real statement of intent from Virat Kohli's side to to beat? England at the extent that they did or do you think it's a case of just the preparation is now sort of really kicking on um, it was a, a big statement last game because they, they smacked 220 odd didn't they uh, in a 20 over game which was magnificent and uh, England gave them a good run but ran out of steam uh, I think that um, I think the squad will be slightly different to what we've seen uh, I, do, I do think they'll probably play two spinners um, in, in the tournament which they've only played one at the moment and they've left They've left the second spinner out. They've left Moen out. Um, I, don't, I don't really know why. I think that they're trying to look for um, the seamers that, that they want. I think so. They're, they're picking five at the moment, which they'll probably take four into the uh, into the tournament with them with with the second spinner. Um, I think Joe Root will be in and around the squad as well. Uh, he, he hasn't been in this one at the moment. Uh, I think he's just an incredibly reliable player, and he, he also bowls decent part-time off-spin, so that would be a, a major factor for me. So I think England are in a, a very, very good way going into this tournament. They, they've got probably 20 players, 25 players that they could put out that wouldn't let them down. They've, they've got a big pool. They all know the role. They all smack it miles. They're all athletes. They're, they're well set up at the moment. Do you feel like the victory in the ODI series is also going to help them this time round? Uh, yeah, I think any any experience of winning uh, tournaments and sort of knowing the feelings of what's going to come along what, uh, and how to prepare for, for each particular hurdle that they're going to try and get across, having having had that, always sets you in good stead. Uh, they always say at uh, club level, the first win is the hardest. Once, once you've got that under your belt, you can start to then roll on and, and pile three, four, five um, titles um, uh, under your belt and like I say I think if uh, if England can take forward the memories of, of winning that World Cup then it, it can only stand me good stand You're listening to the Regulars Podcast Want to keep up to date with our latest content? Drop us a cheeky follow on Instagram and Twitter at Regulars Pod UK So now it's time 
for the coveted Jukebox of Dreams, where we ask our guest to bring along three meaningful songs that are put into the jukebox. If Paul's songs aren't up to scratch, the jukebox will spit them out. Paul, <laughs> the, mic, the mic is all yours. If you want to run us through the, the three songs that you've gone for. Gone for. Uh, thank you for giving me half of the information up front. You didn't tell me that if my songs are... Um... <laughs> Kicked <laughs> out. Um, I've gone for um, almost tracks of my years, but I've gone for something that means a bit to me from my school years, something that means a bit uh, to me from my time at, at Yorkshire, and then uh, and, and my final song it was uh, I spent a couple of months out in South Africa, um, and and, and, that, and this song came up more often than not. So. That's the reasoning behind the songs before I tell you what their songs are. You ain't going to like these choices. You, you're all fun <laughs> for this. Uh, the first song um, is Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses. And oh, it was really? Guns N' Roses were huge. Saying that we're not so, going to like this song is one of the best songs that we've had mentioned so far. I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I was I was about ten when this came out, and Guns N' Roses throughout my teen years were a huge influence on me. So Sweet Child of Mine, it's banger. Um, second one was the like I said the the, the period at Yorkshire um, when I was what's that ninety eight. So I was twenty one. So I was just in the first team. This song was bouncing around all the time. It was American Woman uh, by Lenny Kravitz. Very nice. And the final one, a bit of a, a curveball compared to the first two, um, was... Um, the early part of 2001, I, I spent a couple of months out in South Africa uh, with a friend doing a, almost like a pre-season. Like to, I went over there to get fit, ready for the season when we went on pre-season. Uh, and there was a lot of the drifters um, being uh, being played out there at the time. And it's Saturday night at the movies. Saturday night at the movies. Who cares what picture you see? When you're with your baby, let's row in the bathroom. Beautiful. That's a, that's a lovely, well-rounded three, I think. That's one of, yeah, again, a, similar to Scott's last week. It's very, very well-rounded. I really like that. I, I just love the Guns N' Roses shout. And what I love most about, like, Axel Rose, for example, I think he's fronting ACDC now. He's, <laughs> it's, it, it, he's so, well, they sound exactly the same, basically. But, <laughs> but, but Guns N' Roses is a hell of a shout. Lenny Kravitz is... A classic, mm-hmm. and the drift is all up to him. Yeah, I think the jukebox is uh, is having them on repeat. I think. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I thought it might be a generational issue, but that's all right. Good to hear. Absolutely not. What yeah. was it like over in South Africa, Paul? Um, yeah, it was a very good two months that I spent. I needed to get away from the UK and just get involved with some cricket because it was terrible weather. Um, I'd had a family bereavement, so I, I was just sat home doing nothing. So I just I went away for a couple of months so I could focus on my cricket. Uh, I lived with a friend at his place, and we just cricketed every day, and it was magnificent. I got to mix with his social circles, and 
the weather's good. We were young. We were playing a bit of cricket most days. We were getting fit. It was a brilliant a dream. Run. A dream. Absolute brilliant. Yeah. But would you say that South Africa is your favourite place to go abroad? Oh, good question. Um, it certainly was then. Like I said, I haven't been for quite a few years now. But um, throw into the mix that the pound was very strong compared to the rand. Everything cost pennies. Like I said, mm. you can go for a night out and have a decent meal and a few beers and you, you're going home with change from 20 quid. It's an absolute <laughs> blinder. Uh, so for a young man, uh, having a few beers and, uh, and starting to understand the work there is a magnificent place. Yeah, there, there is, that's a, a great place to play. Um, I had a winter in New Zealand, which is also it's very English. So if you like England, you can get over there and you almost experience the same lifestyle. So if, if you want to change, Aussie's a bit harder. Um, and also the West Indies was really good fun. Beautiful, picturesque place. Everything's a bit more laid back. Yeah. So um, it's nice to get around the world and have a look. Through, did, through. did you find yourself drinking the local beers? Always. There's, what's the point in going to... Here's the suggestion then. Which is your favourite beer and from what country and why? I think whenever you go to the, the country you get sucked into that local beer. So a Castle Lager, if you're in South Africa, always tastes better than if you're having a <laughs> Castle Lager in England. Yeah. Uh, a Red Stripe, whenever you're in the Caribbean, is magnificent. <laughs> uh, what did I drink in New Zealand? Tui, I think. Yeah, Tui Lager was it in New Zealand. And again, they're just brilliant. When you, when you, you sat there on a deck in, the sun's shining, and you've got one of the local beers in hand. It's, the world's not a bad place, is it? Any oh. non-cricketing holidays that you prefer? Uh, yes, <laughs> many. Um, I had a, a very decent trip out to um, Cyprus not, um, only 18 months ago with the family. Uh, that was a great trip. Uh, we actually went to um, Party Central. We went to Ayanapa, but I had a, an 11-year-old and a 13-year-old in tow, so it wasn't quite the trip that you think it might be. Oh! <laughs> I did go to Ayanapa in 98. Uh, which was a bit of a different trip. It was a bit more. They'll <laughs> probably think it up. But um, yeah, when I went there uh, eighteen months ago, it was uh, it was just a very nice, pleasant holiday. Yeah, Jed so, almost stole my sort of question. I was going to go on to. I was going to say, uh, what if you had to go to a place in the world that you haven't been to yet? So obviously you've gone quite a lot of places with cricket, and obviously you've been on holiday and stuff. Uh, where would it be in the world? Where would be that sort of dream place you haven't visited yet? I've, I've always had. Uh, desires to go out to Thailand, I think, and have a look around there. I've had a lot of people who, who have been, I don't think many have come back and said, oh, avoid that place, it's, it's dreadful. Uh, so Thailand would be one of them. Uh, but I also like getting out into non-cricketing venues because like I've, I've been very fortunate to travel around the world to sunny places, experiencing that side of life. But it's almost the same thing repackaged. Like, so you go to South Africa or you go to Zimbabwe or to... New, uh, Australia, it's a brilliant gig, but it's all saving in a way. Yeah. So, um, I was actually head coach of Sweden for a, uh, a period of time, and I took the job ninety percent purely because it was a, a venue that I thought I'd never go to if I, if I didn't take this opportunity. So, I, I took the job to get up there and have a look around the place, and that is magnificent. So, I want to go more through Scandinavia. And then um, I'm keen to get up to Russia and, uh, and have a look around all that side of it. 
I feel like we're all missing a bit of a holiday at the moment, aren't we? Over the yeah, last year. Just going away anywhere would be just a nice experience at the moment. It's been taken on, where would you choose if you were going any, anywhere in the world right now, other than Ayanapa? Before you say Ayanapa, we know I've you already, want to I've go. Already been, I've already been twice. I don't need to go any more times. Twice <laughs> is enough. Um, if I had all the money in the world, I'd be like, Paul, I'd want to go to Thailand or Bali. I think Bali looks really, really nice. I'd love to go to Bali, yeah. Who else? I've been to America a few times. I don't really think I want to go back to America, to be honest. I think I've done all that. So, yeah, I'd say Thailand and Bali. That would be mine. Well, I'll just, I'll just jump in there for any of the listeners that are thinking, Charlie, you've actually not told us what drink, Paul's drink of choice is. Um, he is drinking a Corona, I think. Paul, is that your drink of choice for this evening? Yeah, okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got double Corona because we're, we're in the pandemic, we're in the lockdown, and we need to support him just because the... <laughs> Just because this virus got uh, their name, uh, I think their beer stocks uh, value got hit quite badly. So I'm supporting them, and it's a lovely drop. Yeah, well, um, no, Elliot Bali is, is beautiful. I'd, I'd probably choose Singapore if I could go anywhere right now. Um, Paul, when, when you went to South Africa, I know uh, it, South Africa is a, is a beautiful place. What was security like over in South Africa? Because I know that there's always there's that there's that sort of opinion, isn't there, about about the place? What 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 is it actually? Was it all sort of an amazing trip or were there sides to it that you saw that, you know, you, you kind of really sort of opened your eyes? There were, there were the moments where you saw security was, was tighter than it was in the UK, certainly at that time. Um, the place that I was staying was, was in a gated community. Um, it's no different to walking down the wrong part of any city or uh, in the UK. So if you go, if you walk down the wrong road in London, you're in trouble. And, and that, that part of London, two miles up the road, probably Fulham High Street, which is one of the nicest parts. So if you walk down the wrong place anywhere, you're in trouble, like I say. Um, Cape Town, I spent most of my time in Cape Town up there and a few months in Joburg, so I did get to see different areas. And from my experience, it was just a fabulous place. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, you mentioned there some of the places that you've been to that's quite incredible places that you've that you've sort of toured um i mean is there anywhere on on the on the calendar that you, that you haven't been that you'd think do you know what i wish we'd have toured we'd have toured there or do you think everything was sort of ticked off um i i didn't go through pakistan or india uh, i went i went to sri lanka i had two months in sri lanka but i'd really like to go and have a, a good look around pakistan and india i think it's a from a, a cricketing point of view the people out there are so passionate. I'd, yeah, I'd love to get out there and have a, a look around both countries. Yeah, brilliant. Well, now it's time for our quiz. This is the last call for alcohol this evening. Drink up, drink up, drink up and order again. And um, four questions. Now, Jed, you make it look easy finding quiz questions. Um, it's harder than it looks uh, or that it sounds. So I'm going to start with you first, Jed. And the first question comes in that uh, how many COVID vaccines were given out today? Oh. <laughs> 857,000. Oh, my God. That is very close. <laughs> that is very, very close. It comes in at uh, eight hundred and forty-four thousand. Um, so yeah, oh, the, the, close. You won't be getting hands on the uh, on the on the trophy. What, the... what is the trophy this yeah, week? Yeah, what is the trophy? What are we playing for? Well, Jed, have you still got the uh, 
the trophy that you drew upon the desk, or is that gone in the bin? Oh no, Harry won that last week. That was over. He's keeping that. He's keeping that for life. Don't he's... tell me Charlie has not come what up with got, a trophy. Come on, mate. What have you got in your oh. room? What's on offer? <laughs> I, I, okay, I have a trophy this week. This week. Oh. Oh, he's got you out, are you? He is yeah, he's got me out of trouble well. here. <laughs> this week's trophy, courtesy of lovehoney.com, is Pinky Confessions card game. We are nice. not sponsored. We, we are not sponsored by lovehoney.com. <laughs> other, other adult sex sites are available. <laughs> unless they unless they are listening and they want to sponsor us, then we'd be happy to take the sponsorship. But most it, definitely. Yeah, yeah, as usual, we'll put a picture on the PG. social media of the prize as well, so yeah. everyone can look at what glorious prize we have picked this week. Jesus. Yeah, well, um, Elliot, you're next up. And um, how much did the public raise for Comic Relief 2021? Oh, my God. That figure Ooh. is now still rolling. <laughs> we want the exact life I've, figure. I've, I've, I know that they've made over £1 billion in the years that they've done it now. All the years, right? Yeah. No, no, just literally this year. This year, 2021. The yeah. figure that I've picked up here is is still ongoing, but at the moment, what 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 figure have they raised? I mean, I've got no clue. I'm just gonna take a wild guess. Could be miles off. Nine point two million. <laughs> you underestimated <laughs> our country, Jesus. You have it. It came in at fifty-two million pounds. Bloody hell. So far, you know what I say? I was close enough. I finished get yeah. half a point. <laughs> Exactly. Now, a fraction of the price of track and trace, there, Paul. I'm hoping that you're not a, a CBBC fan and you've watched the, the recent news round. Um, because if you have, <laughs> you're gonna know exactly what question I'm going to give you. Um, so an, an Arctic walrus was found far away from home recently. But which country was it found in? Was it A, Ireland, B, Spain, C, Sweden, or D, Germany? Um, this was question on the Saturday night takeaway last night and I believe it was Ireland. Wow <laughs> there we go <laughs> superb that's that's, yeah that's correct hang on a minute what, what's happened to these um, you can pick where's my options I just had to guess <laughs> it was um, it was a pretty rushed kind of I couldn't find any questions I mean I didn't I didn't know if you lads had been up to the to the news or not and George finally with you um, I don't know if you're much of a rugby fan, but how many players oh, no. did the Welsh rugby team finish with on Saturday night in their game against France? Charlie, I don't even know how many rugby players you get normally. Right, okay. okay. <laughs> if they start with 15 players. Okay, okay. I'm going to say... If it's in the news, George, it's got to be something like... Yeah, but... yeah. Right, I'm going to go with 12. See, it's not a bad guess. Well, nothing's a bad guess. Yeah, it's a yeah, one. <laughs> Is it correct? Um, they finished with thirteen men. Ooh. Oh, thirteen. So we've had we've had close answers, but Paul, our guest, takes the uh, the trophy home with him. There we go. Another. <laughs> Come to you in the post, Paul. Another <laughs> cheeky plug on the uh, podcast. If they want to sponsor us, they can. Well, yeah. if they want to send us plugs as well, I mean. <laughs> <That's actually surprised. laughs> a bit of free it's it's last order's time here at the lockdown inn and um how have you enjoyed being with us uh, this evening paul being an eye opener it's, uh, it's been very pleasurable thank you for having me it's all right and lads how are you uh, how have you enjoyed meeting paul and, and chatting everything cricket absolutely splendid the wonderful man 
Yes, thanks so, a lot, Paul, for popping on with us tonight. Pleasure yes, well, you. Uh, if you haven't checked out our social media pages yet, then give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter. Um, you can also send in any alcohol or non-alcoholic drink recommendations for us to try. Um, and you can keep a track of our jukebox tunes on Spotify as well. Um, but that brings us to the end of episode three of the regulars podcast. I've been Charlie Hopper. I've been joined by Elliot Richardson, Jed Pemberthy, George Sanderson, and our guest, Paul Hutchinson. Thank you very much for listening. And the regulars podcast will return next Wednesday for episode four, when we'll be joined in the lockdown in by yet another special guest. So that is next Wednesday, 5 p.m. GMT. Stick around, bring your own drinks. And in the meantime, spread the good word of our podcast.